Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all, to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. Tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's the e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is Hits Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed to the rim with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling or training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real-world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20-dog kennel, they got you covered. They get those things built and they drop it off at your house. All you got to have is a pad, electricity, and water, and you can put dogs in it that day. Horizon Structures can build you anything from mild to wild, and it is the one-stop shop, and you don't have to swing a single hammer. So hit them up, horizonstructures.com. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite with me as always is Eric Stamber. I'm Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Eric, what's going on? Um, you know what I'm doing? It's great. Uh, so I'm headed towards, remember I told you, September and October. I'm yeah. taking off. No working dogs in my kennel. I'm pushing that way. I got two left. I'll have them till the end of August. And then <clears throat> I may have some pet dogs in there. Uh, I'm still going to do some training guy, you know, guys are going to come to me, do some training, but yeah, I got to have a fucking break the kennel, man. I can't take it. I can't, I'm yeah. done. Um, my, uh, wife came to work for the business. Uh, she's in half days in August and then it'll be full time. She's still working at her notice at the other jobs, a half day in the morning. So she's going to be coming with me every morning to the kennel 
and when that type of stuff happens and um so that'll help but i'm fuck all that i'm taking september october off no more poop kennels for a little while <laughs> um but i'm doing a bunch of pet dogs myself like i said i have 12 trainers at the business that work for me and we're booked up and i try not to be like november so i'm doing three dogs myself one left today one leaves tomorrow one leaves on thursday and um did another go home lesson for something else uh earlier today so everything all aspects are busy um but uh plugging away trying to yeah. enjoy the boat a little bit here and there and so how about yourself uh we're rocking and rolling we got those three short hair pointer puppies that were imprinting on one on explosives and the other two on narcotics and they are working puppies and i kind of have to remind myself sometimes just because they don't bite people that they're still fucking pain in the ass like they are just i i'm no lying they're 10 10 weeks old and will not shut up and they bark themselves into a frenzy so i got some teeny tiny little dog crib work colors for them and mm -hmm. set it on the lowest setting and they were in the kennel asleep i mean we got it got to the point where i can only do one session a day with them because they would just sit and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and then shit everywhere and i mean mm -hmm. now i mean jacob and i worked them three times a day um on odor so they just sit there and look at you now and i'm like yeah and i can see that becoming an issue when they become adults I'm like i'm not gonna let you bark in the kennel shut i, I hate that i <laughs> bugs the shit out of me yeah. so here's a little trick that i do with puppies um so we do a thing on the pet side of our business and I've, i actually did it with a i'm about to do a whole video on on patreon about about called tone avoidance we use tone on the e-collar as a preparatory warning that there's stim behind it stop what you're doing <clears throat> excuse me i don't have to talk to them at all i just tone stim tone them off of everything in the house creates great manners but with puppies what i do so we have them in a crate and they're going nuts, right? And I'll hide around the corner. I'll take a collar that has tone on it and I'll clip it to the crate, the gate. Oh, yeah. And I hide around the corner. And when they start going crazy, I hit tone, step around the corner, and spray them in the face with a water bottle, right? Just water. And they back up and I go hide again. Startles them, but I give them that tone warning first. Step back in, flat water. Step back. They bark. I hit tone. They get quiet and fall asleep. Works in one day. Oh, yeah. And then it starts condition. So then the tone actually shuts them up wherever you're at. Just beep. And they, they get quiet. There you go. Everybody listening. Use the tone. Tone avoidance. <laughs> tone avoidance. Uh, we did one with a SWAT dog that I did that we, that was his thing. Like to get him to his vibrate was a, the vibrate was a recall and tone was shut up. Because <laughs> he would bark his head off, and I—that's how I fixed it. I just did tone avoidance, he'd hit the tone, and blast him, and he'd shut up. But uh, that was—I've got three of these little shitheads now, though, so I'd have to have three separate collars, three separate remotes. So yeah, yeah, it'd be a bit much. No, so and then I sit there and make them watch the other dogs work, which they're super happy about. And I got a Rottweiler right now too, a Rockweiler. Mm -hmm. I can take mm -hmm. the—I can take the most well-bred, well-mannered Dutch Shepherd or Malinois into. Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and everybody just kind of like, oh, what is that? A mix? And you're like, yeah, sure. But I take a Rottweiler in, and people are like, oh, beautiful dog. Everybody wants to pet him. Everyone wants to touch him. I'm like, why? <laughs> Don't touch him. Leave him alone. He's super friendly, but that's his problem. Like, <laughs> he doesn't fucking ignore anybody. And uh, his name's Kobe. He's been an interesting project for sure. He's super dog aggressive, which has been fun. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of a pain in the ass. So, who do we have tonight? 
Well, um, this is um, a interview long in the making. We've been trying to figure this out, trying to record this last week. And Tulsa had some like, I don't know, tornado or some shit that comes through yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the weather. But uh, our guest is another one of our great friends that uh, we'll get into, had some military working dog uh, extensive experience. And those of you who follow his social media know that uh, his retired working dog just passed after having a, you know, a great life. Got to work. He got to retire. He got to freaking get kind of famous a little bit and, and have a good time. So uh, from Warhawk Tactical and On the Range Podcast is our buddy, Rick Hawk. How are you, buddy? Man, doing good. Thank you guys for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, yeah man. It's sure. been uh, love having you come on. Um, I know you've been, we'll get into it a little bit, but you've, we were talking before we started recording, jumping into the podcast world and mm-hmm. kind of starting to, um, <laughs> share the love that. and share some experience and talking about the um, myth of podcasting that it's easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All I do is storage, tell- storage fees are nothing. It's yeah. easy. All I, do, all I do is sit here and tell jokes anyway. It's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, no, it- um, Talk about like what typically what we like to do is go through the mm-hmm. beginning of like a little bit of your history, where you're from, how you got, how what your military career kind of looked like, and when dogs came in and all that other stuff, and what got us today. Yeah, so originally grew up in uh, New Hampshire. My grandfather and father were both um, veterans. So grandfather's a World War II vet. My father was a Marine Corps Vietnam vet. So I kind of always knew I wanted to join the service. Um, Joined in 1988, went to one station unit training down at Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, trained there as an infantryman, did airborne school, show up at 82nd Airborne Division, uh, 1st Battalion, 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment, and started my career there. Um, I knew originally I wanted to go into Special Forces, but what had ended up happening was Special Forces became a branch. They were no longer doing the SF Baby Program, so people all think that's new. That was actually something they were doing back in the 80s, uh, so just kind of missed that mark. Uh, did my time in the 82nd, went to Desert Storm, came back, did Ranger School. Uh, that Shortly after that, went to SFAS, successful there, over to uh, 7th Group, did that, went to SWIC. Um, and then once I was done my SWIC tour, uh, go back, operational 2004, and I think it was around 2010-ish, um, start working the dog and worked him until I retired in 2017. So very quick, broad brush overview. So we had some guys on that uh, recently that were over in the um, SF and they managed to get out of SWIC. How did you not, (laughs) or did you not try? So long story short, (laughs) I I try, everyone tries, right? So you get the old, Hey, you're hiding behind the rucksack. You're doing this. Uh, Long story short, I had some favors done. So to rewind the tape, um, I was actually working at the seven special force group, special forces advanced urban combat committee. Um, so that was at the time our group commander's pet project. So I had his protection, uh, but once the new commander came in, so I lost that protection and some people that were gunning for me wanted me to get out to SWIC and yeah, I wound up going out to Camp McCall to, uh, SFAS and had to pay my penance out there. So trust me, mm-hmm. I tried, um, but there were powers to be that were saying, nope, you're going to go do some time in SWIC. So, all right. So. It's got to be the worst deal, like showing up as a fucking. Uh, <laughs> and you just Horrible. know every instructor there doesn't want to be there, and they fucking hate you. <laughs> well, so here, here's the thing, right? There's a yes and a no. So originally, I was supposed to go out to range 37, which teaches 
uh, marksmanship and CQB. They also do the sniper course, but I was going to go over to the, uh, the Sephardic side. And again, strings get pulled. Next thing you know, you wind up out at SFAS, which, oh, by the way, is um, dealing with guys, the same, same type of people every 30 days because you're just trying to put people through. You got guys that don't want to be there. You got some guys that want to be there. You got some guys that are, it's just herding cats, man. So it was just, hmm. it was an interesting experience, but it was not an enjoyable job. So, so what, at what point during all of this, because getting in 88 um, mm-hmm. and everything like that, dog's not, not really that big. No. Um, what was the first part you were like, oh, wait, what's that? What are we doing here? What's, what's with the dog? So really it was, um, you got to think the GWAT was the ramp to the dogs. And you start going out and you've got dogs with you. And it was very shortly during that time that you learn that these dogs are better than technology. So the dog's telling you for one example, kind of broad brush, dog's telling us to go left. You know, if you want to say the um, technology machine's going, hey, go right. We go right because we think they know what's right. They were wrong. The dog was right and end up just making the night a little bit longer. But the point being is that was kind of one of those aha moments. I mean, besides all the, um, the guys, these, you know, dogs apprehend and everything else and the lives that are saved by them, you know, leading up to that. It's just one of those key things. It's just one more straw in the cap for the dogs to go, man, these things are the com- the best combat multiplier in the battlefield. And once you start seeing that in action kind of night after night after night, you're like, yep, I got it. But it comes at a cost because we lose dogs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it didn't take, trust me, it does not take long to see those dogs in action and go, yep. And then, you know, had the opportunity, kind of was voluntold to go work the dogs and like, yeah, that's cool. So ended up doing that. So it doesn't take long. No, it definitely doesn't. Did um, you end up going to uh, Von Lick for handler school? Where, where no, we did, we did it in-house. Show? I did an in-house oh. one. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yep. That's one of the first ones I've heard of. I, I wonder if they started doing that after you. What year was that about when you got in there? Uh, it was 10. 2010. No, yeah, they, oh, that's good. We've talked to people that have been right around the time or after and some went to Von Lick and uh, some were out at uh, Adlerhorst and different places like that. What, uh, was it a situation where you got a dog and that's who you trained up with, or they have you help and learn, train a bunch of different dogs in the kennel? Little bit of uh, lead up to, um, but they kind of, as working other dogs, they gave me kind of what was going to be my primary dog in the mm-hmm. interim really wasn't working him a whole bunch, just kind of working that whole initial bonding process. Uh, and then I think probably within a couple of weeks later, the course started and started working him. So kind of, laying that foundation of building the bond and then going right into training with him. Who, who was that? So that was my first dog was Marco. Mm-hmm. So he was a Mali. Um, I had him, I lost him in 2012. And when you start painting the story, you know, with Marco, I end up getting Duco. And here's the thing. Duco was a Dutch shepherd. I didn't want Duco when I mm-hmm. first, you know, so lose Marco one day, pick up, you know, this Dutchie the next day. I don't want no Dutchie. I said, where's my Mally? I said, I want a Mally back. I want the old one back. <laughs> I do. I do. Because he was an absolutely, he was a very edgy dog, right? He was a great combat dog. And I told myself, I said, I'm going to retire this dog when it's time. Because obviously, you know the deal. Hey, um, once they're retired, bring him back home. 
but he was not the right fit. He would not have been the right fit. Um, so in essence, I wind up with this Dutchie. I'm like, God, here we go. All right, whatever. We'll make it work. And that was the best thing. So Duco by far, um, he was an absolute beast on the battlefield. And to me, he was the gold standard for what dogs need to be. So much to the point, I would say, if I could have cloned that dog and outfitted every single organization that runs a dog, that would be the standard. You know, his temperament from going, um, just chilling out one second. And man, when it's time to be, you know, beast mode, he was absolutely there. Uh, I remember one time we were training with uh, Armin Winkler doing some bite work and, and Armin sitting there, closed fist, smashing Duco in the head. And Duke's just getting pissed, driving more into him. You know, he's like, man, this dog is hard. It's like, yeah, Armin, he's freaking proven because we'd already done a rotation. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me something I don't know. You know, not trying to bust on Armin, but, you know, that was just the, the point. But the thing was, Duco was very, his, his social ability was absolutely phenomenal. Sit there, you know, running around the boys, no issues, dramas. Um, he was super good on a helicopter ride and just kind of sit there and chill out. But man, as soon as he heard that rotor pitch change, and the thing you got to think about is, granted, sometimes the pilots are just making corrections to their flight, but he'd hear that pitch change. Next thing you know, the ears point up, he's all perking up going, hey, man, it's time to get on. It's like, buddy, we're still 20 minutes out, man. Just <laughs> chill out, relax, you know? Relax. <laughs> yeah, just, you know? Hey. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then ended up running, you know, Duco to the end, ended up pretty much retiring towards the end. So what winds up happening uh, I think he had some med issues unbeknownst, so nothing that we could physically really see. Uh, we were out doing a training exercise one time, and all he had to do is really just jump in the back of a little, I think it was like a Ford Ranger pickup truck. And it wasn't that he didn't want to. Things just wouldn't fire. We couldn't. So we kind of go back to, I believe, we ended up in uh, 2012 falling out of a helo from about 30 feet and filling in the target one night. Um, things just got squirrely with the pilots. Think we were at a little four foot jump. They pull power. We go out. I get knocked unconscious. Uh, he's all, I got his vest all wrapped up in my hand. This thing's all jacked up and he seems to be fine. You know, we get him all checked out. And I mean, he's getting regular checks by the vet and everything like that. So we're not seeing anything um, sticking out medically. But then kind of towards the end of his career, it's like, dude, what's going on with you? So we kind of make that point. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's time to retire because you can't offer at the full level that you need to and the last thing i need to do is you need to go somewhere or jump somewhere and i got it you've got the desire but you just don't have the physical ability so um go ahead yeah there's always a tax to be paid on that you know when they have those injuries mm -hmm. human and and dogs oh yeah they'll, they'll ignore it man for a long time yep. and it's it's interesting to to see that so let's go back real quick to marco what what did you like about that dog he was, he was a great, uh, he was a great combat dog. He was just, he, he was like edgy. He was always out looking for that hunt. Um, socially, eh, I, I mean, he wasn't, wasn't like he was tagging the guys. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a come to Jesus one time because again, he tried to uh, test the water to see who the alpha oh, yeah. was. And of course the boys are like, hey, you're killing your dog. Yep, uh, we're good here. We're, we're He's not going to die. You know? Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> It'll be close, um, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring him, you know, basically, all right, you see Jesus? Yep, all right, come on back, boom, you know. Okay, let's go see him again, boom. So, um, but that was, you know, that was the good thing with Marco, right? But he would not have been the fit to bring home. You know, looking back, yeah. hindsight being 2020, um, didn't, he probably would have sat there and whether it was, you know, test mama, test the kids, whatever. 
but on the battlefield, you know, no doubt about it. Um, so that was, you know, that to me was his biggest pro on that, you know, the con, obviously the social side. Um, and it was just one of those dramas you got to kind of deal with, you know? Yeah. Folks don't know, uh, you, you know, they're like, Oh, you didn't take him home or you could have done that. You got to live with that dog. And, yeah. and it can be, it can be uh, a, a long day every day. Sure. You, you know, uh, how was he back at, uh, like when you guys had downtime, no, there was no settle or. No, I mean, he was fine there, you know, but then again, you got to understand the boys sit there and, and mess around. Right. <laughs> so they're always playing jokes or doing something stupid. That's just what they do. Uh, so somebody got this stupid fishing donkey toy sent from home. Right. So you press the button, it flops yeah. around or. Uh, and of course, what do they do it? They do it in front of, you know, Marco and what's Marco do can't resist himself Makes right it. yeah just trash this thing and i'm like guys come on you know it's like really <laughs> oh i don't think you do that what do you think he was gonna do you know it's like come his on job, man his job is to find bombs and bite shitheads what do you think yeah. he was gonna do yeah like... you know it's like you're you're out there enticing him with this you know toy wiggling around of course that thing's plastic it's all crack and busting it's like all right there goes fishing donkey out of the way so hey lord um so back then with him on those on those deployments was it mostly like um on target direct action stuff with him or was he doing were you doing more route clearance things with him no it was more direct action stuff because um that was uh that was over in afghanistan wasn't a whole bunch of route clearing to go on hey you're pretty much flying in vicinity wherever they can get you know a close spot so there's no um no reason to do a route clearance there so you know, mainly direct action. Then, you know, once you're done, you're going to switch into explosive detection. Yeah. We, when in, so when I went out to California to work uh, for Cobra on the West coast uh, NSW contract um, at that time, that was October of 13, they mm-hmm. were way on the Y on the landing. And so mm-hmm. everything we were doing was, was all just route clearance for the most part. I'm sure they, yeah. you know, overseas, they got a, they got a few X landings and, and, banging right into it but um back then when you were in there what was what explosives were you guys seeing was it like rdx or were they on ammonium nitrate or what were they no it was mainly hme stuff you know so some yeah some components thereof um but again every everything's different right everyone's got different stuff um but hme is kind of the the staple over there because that's what you know if you can't you want to say get it organically you kind of make it yourself and, and go from there so uh it, but it was a mix you know wasn't wasn't one or the other um you know it was just they're they'll sit there and take whatever scraps they can find and try to make something so mm-hmm. yeah we you know, interviewed uh travis bobo um mm-hmm. and he was uh part of the task force over in syria and they were talking about how they were using the aluminum spray paint for mm-hmm. part of it. And then he was like, why are the dogs? Cause he and the EOD guy would mark the boundaries with spray paint. And the dogs would alert on the fuck spray paint. Mm-hmm. Like what in the hell is yep. going on? And then they figured out like they, they found a, the facility where they were making stuff and they would spray it into like a canister or something and wait for it to, to dry and scrape it off and use the aluminum mm-hmm. flakes out of them. Like, Oh man, here, they just yep. huff it. So there they used to make bombs. I mean, I guess both are mm-hmm. bad, but yeah <laughs> both aren't good but so um yep. 
how many how many rotations did you do with Marco? Uh, just one. Just one. Uh, yep. So did he get medical? What was the what's the story on Marco? How did he end up uh, not going back? Uh, so he he had some med issues and we had to euthanize him. Okay. So there was no no recovering for him. And so immediately after that, you get Duco and you're like, I don't yep. want a fucking stripey nope. asshole. I want the other one back. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, we'll I, talk I, about that I a probably, lot. Yeah, I probably would have been happy with any other mouth, right? But then all of a sudden, you know, here comes this brindle Dutchie. And I'm just like, mm. you know, and, and Dutchie's, it's weird, right? Because Mally's got their own perceived dramas, right? But everyone will seem to accept that. Dutchies seem to be worse, right? They're kind of, you're either going to get a stellar one or you're going to get some bipolar one that you don't know which way it's going to go. Whose head uh, is this yeah. big? Yeah, that's yeah. my yeah, favorite. I mean. <laughs> so, and, and, and I lucked out, like I said, with Duco, I totally lucked out. He, you know, in my opinion, he was the standard when it came to a military working dog. When, at what point, uh, so did you, were you back here when you got him or was he a replacement dog? They sent him over to you? No, so we had, we usually had a spare. And he was basically our spare dog. So we kind of knew, um, we knew things were leading up, you know, to Marco. And I don't know if I was in denial. I don't know if I didn't want to even mess with him. I don't, I don't remember everything that led up to why, um, why I didn't really interact that much with him. But then obviously, you know, come the next day. All right, here's your dog. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it took, that next, you know, so I got him, uh, I think a couple months later, we were deployed and that solidified everything right there to watch that dog. You know, I knew he was good in training, didn't really see any flaws, any issues, didn't think there'd be any dramas, but just to watch him go overseas. And then after that rotation, it's just, you've got a different dog. I mean, you have a proven beast that will absolutely destroy a man. And it's like, cool, buddy, you know, just sit there, wreck a guy one minute, find bombs the next, you know. And it's like, you're the dog I want. Oh, by the way, you're a good social dog. Come on, you know, so. That's something that, yeah, that, that that's a super important. And, you know, when um, we interviewed Kelly Roby, mm -hmm. he talked about being able, like, and the way he described it is like, they can just see in the matrix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I kind of, I'm like, you mean, I, I kind of like, like you said, like you hear the rotor pitch change and then he's like, oh, let's go. It's time to work. Yeah. But, um, you know, that is a very, like, Eric and I both kind of have a reputation for taking dogs that kind of be problem, that are problem children. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't mind a dog that is a little wonky. Like if you get into him for a little bit, like if you overcorrect him and he gets all funky, but for dogs that just for no reason, or dogs that just normal shit, and they're like, no, nah, I'm not gonna, and it's not even a warning shot. Like it's like, they go from zero to hero over just accidentally stepping on them and after they've done it a hundred times and i was like i and i'm the last one i just went through i'm done with that i'm <laughs> then i gotta turn them over to a police department right like i can handle dogs like that and not get smoked like 90 percent of the time but i turn them over to a cop and you know mm -hmm. the vast majority of law enforcement officers and shit the vast majority of most military handlers like even then it's like they don't need to worry about like I, I can't imagine having to be in a situation like that just worried like fuck is this the day that he fucking smokes somebody or am I gonna have to break him off of somebody or yeah, yourself or, or, yeah myself yeah My own leg or something believe me there's a reason I always have a breaker bar on me at the kennel <laughs> yeah but see, a lot of that boils down to when you look at these guys they just don't have the time they, no. you know you look at the LE guys and and 
you know, not to bust my Ellie guy's chops, they do have the time. They just don't know how to manage it. They, so they don't know how to sit there and go, all right, hey, man, nothing's going on right now. Let's figure out a plan to meet wherever, get a quick training session in. It doesn't have to be all day. It doesn't have to be hours on end. Just a quick something. All right, cool. Because again, you're not looking to burn the dog down because you might need to use him later on during that shift, but get something. And that's the, the biggest thing I try to convey to these guys is what are you doing to make yourself and your dog better? I mean, it can be all kinds of different things, but these guys, I just, they get in the car, they drive around and it's like, what did you do to train? What do you mean? Come on, man. Really? Something. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the opportunity is there. They just don't capitalize on it. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, we, uh, I, you've mentioned it twice already, and we, we haven't really talked to anybody on the show about this. Um, transition drills. So smoking oh, yeah. a dude, like crushing a dude, and immediately going and finding explosives. Mm-hmm. What was your training run-up for that, and how did you employ it overseas? Well, how did you transition from that high state from just biting a dude and turn and go to detection? What was your move, so to speak? So it's all about the ritual, at least in my opinion. So you set up, you know, hey, you get him off the bite. You're going to vacate, you know, whatever area that guy's in. And then again, you got to look at where are you starting your search sequence at? And then from there, to me, it was always how we're clipping in um, because I would always do it on a leash it just gave me that better control boom that was part of the ritual get it off clip it there give him a search command and you know went about our business so it was just yeah it was just the way we worked it in training and then the way you transition over and i think that's where a lot of people you know a lot of people go wrong so let's think about it all right cool i've got the bite now i'm gonna go transition over to detection does he have to find anything Nope. Nope. No. But too many times everything's paired, right? Or you do mm-hmm. just the opposite. You go in and the structures are blank. There's nothing in there as far as a decoy goes. And then you transition right over to odor. So it's just the way you put the variables in there that I think during the training portion, then subsequently once you go over and are doing it real world or in combat or whatever you want to say, it just transitions over to, okay, cool. No problem. So you, it, it's always, it's a game, right? You're always playing a game with these guys. So, all right, you got prize number one. You know what? You might get prize number two. You might not. So, and you just work through it. Or you might come in and, hey, there's no prize, but you might get a a prize over here for doing this. So that was just the way we worked it. So it's always a guessing game. They don't know, hey, am I getting a bite? Am I not? Am I finding a bomb? Am I not? But I want the reward. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they're looking for that reward. So that was just the way we kind of worked it on my end. And just having that ritual, just having that ritual set up, you know, yeah. even, even if he's in there, you know, it's a blank. There's no decoy. Okay, cool. I'm still going to clip you up with that leash the same spot, the same way, so that he knows, yep, this is what we're doing. Give him a suit command. Off we go. You know, just switch over. I teach my law enforcement handlers a lot. And there's during our handler school, we do, there's a track that I specifically do because I know exactly everything, all the variables. But the track starts out. And it's a single blind handler has no idea what's going on. Uh, we track to a vacant house and I know that the decoy is run through and everything's secured and we send the dog in and there's nobody in the house uh-huh. and we come in, they clear the building and then we go out the back door and the handler's got to get him back under control after not getting a bite. 
and then pick the track back up and continue mm-hmm. tracking and watching them manage drive. Um, and I've been telling them like all the time, like, you know, for the last month, I'm talking to him about drive capping and all these exercises and these drills we do. And like, everybody gets in a fucking hurry. Like they're, I'm like, we're not, this isn't timed right now. Like you can just do whatever you need to do. If it takes 30 seconds, if it takes three minutes, like whatever you need to do to get him to like chill out, like just do with that. And for whatever, for whatever reason, most of the dogs at each one is different. Some of them are fine. Like you just down them and let them wait for a second and they're fine. Some of them, you got to give them a reward for searching play tug, 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 you know, do the whole thing and be like, all right, buddy, let's go back to work. And mm-hmm. they pick it right back up. But a lot of dudes get super frustrated. And I'm like, why are you in such a fucking hurry? So if you're listening but, and you're law enforcement handler, that's one that you can do that fucks with people and yeah. like new handlers for sure, like multiple searches. So, but, but you hit the nail on the head, right? It's, they are so used to every time they go in that structure, getting a bite. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that, that to me is the number one training flaw when you look at dogs. So you look at how many times a cop employ their dog or even how many times did I employ my dog? You think he got a bite every single time he went out? Nope. Yeah. Why are we training it? So in essence, you're training that drama in there. So if he goes in there, right, man, I got nothing. And you've got some dogs that go, I'm going to bite something. And typically who's rolling in behind him? Yep. Right? <laughs> His Sergeant. pack's in there behind him and, and somebody's getting tagged. And oh, to, yeah. me, I, to me, that's that boils down to so you never train, I just call them blanks or no decoy, yeah, whatever word you want to yeah. use, but you never work blanks into your training problem. Yeah, so that no, dog- and it, it, it's the, a lot of our guys will for detection because of a lot of case law stuff, but, and I do the same thing. And, you know, we talk about this on tracks because people are like, well, dogs aren't successful on tracks. A lot of the times, I don't remember what the DOJ says, like 27% or something, but they count I think that, it's that high. Well, whatever the number is, it's slow, but they like if you track and, you know, the homie gets picked up by the homies of the girlfriend or something and it ends in the middle of the street. I mean, the dog did his job like he just either got picked up by aliens or his girlfriend. And like so it's a successful track because he finished it. But the way that they count the statistics is, oh, it's unsuccessful because you didn't find him. And but what you did is do a lot of elimination. But that happens all the time. And we do that all the time. And, you know, there's a there's a divide on the law enforcement side of tracking to non-people like tracking to an area where you don't have, you're not gonna find anything. You're just following human odor or, you know, full on, you know, doing the whole proximity alert and teaching all those things. But, you know, and like tracks and I ask, well, I ask this to people a lot of time, guys tracking, I'm like, you guys track blanks. Like how the fuck do you track a blank? I'm like, well, they don't find anything. And they're like, well, so why? you know I'm when like, they are out of odor. Well, yeah. And I'm like, how many times do you go on a track where, like you like dude gets picked up or they slip through perimeter or they get past perimeter before they can get it set or like whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, all the time. And I'm like, then why don't you fucking train it? Like, because then that he goes like, Oh, we get to the end of a track and we start making announcements. Like when we get a proximity alert and somebody gives up and then the dog's like, Oh, I don't get to bite anybody. And you guys have smoked the backup guy tries to smoke the handler <laughs> or mm-hmm. whoever. And I'm like, stick something in his mouth. He can't bite you. He's got a fucking Kong in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Or, he just learns, he learns that, hey, man, I don't always get, just because I'm working doesn't mean I always get it. So it, it goes back, I see it more, yeah, on, on the track stuff, but more times, nine times out of 10, you think about clearing a structure, doesn't mean there's going to be somebody in there. So let's say, hypothetically, I'm an LEO, get called to some, you know, ODARC 30 burglar alarm, who knows what, <clears throat> excuse me, what potentially caused it. Okay, goes in there does a search okay doesn't find because he's always been trained to hit a decoy and now he's like 
okay, you two jerkies look like, you know, good enough to bite to get some frustration out. It's just work it into your training. I got it. It's not cool. It's not sexy. Some will say it's a waste of time. I think it, I think it, it makes better use of your time so that you can put that dog in check. So you're not having dramas down the road, but yeah. And I can tell you, I, and I know where it comes from. So when I, before I retired from the department, um, I had 38 dogs that I, that we trained at maintenance training and did their classes and maintenance training. Those guys are coming every two weeks. One, you mm-hmm. know, they get two, two trainings a month. So and I'm guilty as anybody of doing certain scenario based things that always had some sort of bite because most of the guys, there was my department had six dual purpose dogs and one single, we were very busy biting all the time, getting a lot of apprehensions and then some medium departments and then low departments that don't even really get building searches all that much. Mm-hmm. So we end up doing, um, trying to help them, you know, keep their dog up on it. So you end up doing it that way. But like, like my agency would do, each guy would do two or three building searches a shift. And mm-hmm. I mean, once every couple of weeks, there's a guy in there that they get to bite. Um, yeah. So we would do it at training that way. And, and I know that's, it's exactly why it ends up happening limited you know there's that that supreme court standard of 16 hours a month mm-hmm. what they suggest and by mm-hmm. god that's all you're going to get mm-hmm. or 99 of departments and then you have to fight for the 16 hours yeah <laughs> yeah but you do but see here's here's yeah. my point you do you do and you don't right and right. i get it every department's different every what they have logistically is all different okay but could i not set a scenario up somewhere okay whether you've got a training area you use, an old abandoned house, uh, part of the department, it doesn't matter, right? Send him in and there's no decoy. Maybe he just retrieves a ball, whoopee ding, right? But he still didn't get the bite. It's something to bridge the gap. And and that's my whole point is guys, handlers are always looking to trainers to train. Okay, why can't the handler train? Why can't he do stuff? And, And that's, yeah. That's my argument to the LE side. And I get it. You've got to put, if you want to say 16 hours with the trainer, whatever it is. Okay, cool. But you're telling me as snuffy patrolman, and again, you know your area better than I do. There isn't somewhere I could use, and it doesn't have to be a bunch of rooms, couple room structure in the department, whatever. Cast them in there. You know, obviously make sure it's clear. Hey, whatever that last room is, he's going to get a ball, right? Slight mitigation. So you, you potentially don't get tagged. Maybe you wean it off as you start seeing him work, you know, but at least start showing him, hey, man, there's not always a bite in there. And I think that would help mitigate some of the dramas down the road. But the burden's got to go back to the individual officer to do some work on his own. I mean, are they doing obedience? I don't know. Are they doing any type of detection? I don't know. Why yeah, can't detection is stuff- usually the one they'll do on shift. They'll throw a little bit of dope or, you know, a little bit of explosives it- out, a couple of things, but yeah. Um, real quick, before we take our first break, uh, back up to deployment uh, with Marco and then your Duco. Mm-hmm. Canine gear loadout. What did you look like? What it, what it looked like? What changed from the first one to the second one that you didn't need? Did you end up getting some different gloves that worked better? What kind of all that? What did it look like? Wow. So you're going to ask the guy that, let's think here, 10 plus years ago, I guess. <laughs> Mm-hmm. cranking with god knows how many tbis to go what did you have so i will tell the viewers listeners this uh 
couple of regrets, didn't take enough pictures and I didn't journal. Um, I don't think to the best of my recollection, I don't think a whole bunch changed to be honest with you. Um, had to take on a little more water just because, you know, you got to take care of your buddy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think really anything majorly changed. I think it was pretty much, I want to say for the most part, probably status quo. Yeah. Were you a short leash or long leash guy? I had both. So yeah. then depending on application, right? So <clears throat> you got to think dynamic situation. Uh, I may have to put him somewhere where uh, I want him to have further reach, but I don't want him to, to free run, nor do I want to keep him on my six footer. So I might have a long line to sit there and go, Hey, let's say, for example, I've got a cave entrance or something like that. Just need you to check out the first part. Cause I don't want to launch it fully in. Cause I don't know where you're going to go or get suckered into. So you got a 30 footer might use it for that. So just varying applications. I had both on me. Um, and you just used it, you know, the six footer obviously was the, the majority of the work, but there was times where, Hey, if you needed that 30 foot, um, definitely need to use that the night that me and Duco fell out of the helo. I can get into that, you know, after the break, mm -hmm. if you want. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, you heard it. We're going to talk about Duco, um, the falling out of the uh, helo and what life was like, you know, kicked up on the couch. Although I don't know that that was <laughs> very often, but uh, we'll be right back. We have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at hits canine training conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry, hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody, you know, in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also check out their website hitscanine.net. They have other classes that they're putting out online. Uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things they're offering in-person classes leading up to Hits 2022, Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out, hitscanine.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um, are, make it a, a point to fuel working dogs and they know that it can be tough and they need high quality food, unlike me to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and, you know, of course, light, but, so, but the dogs can't, they actually have to work. So for that, we asked Kinetic and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working in sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S., you can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904. And get them on the socials at Kinetic Dog Food. So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that, set, that does what they say is Quick Turn by Vet Care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have it at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? It's cuts that, how the hell that happened. 
bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up. Uh, the quick derm by vet care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing too is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show and we instructed at uh, the first uh, Tripwire conference down in Florida. Uh, Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show. Uh, and he runs NCK9, who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13-ish years, uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real-world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, carrier pigeon, however you want to get a hold of him uh, to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919-438-0141 or J O'Brien. That's J-O-B-R-I-E-N at N-C, letter K number nine dot U-S. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right, everybody. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Staring at each other for a couple weird seconds there. Oh, jam the commercials right in the middle there. Um, <clears throat> don't forget, those of you who skipped the commercials, because I know most of you did, bottom of the show notes has the discount codes. Go check out our sponsors. We got great people. You know, We've got kennels in there. We got people providing dogs, uh, vet care. We got, we got all kinds of stuff in there, man. Go check it out. Um, we got big sponsors, Dog Show, Ray Allen. We have a lot. So go check it out. Don't ask Ted and I what the discount codes are because we don't know them. I don't, I don't know no, we have to be told when we read the commercials every single time what the discount codes are. Like, go look at iTunes. It's on there. Yeah. <laughs> Just scroll to the bottom. It's like Ted texting me saying, what's my ATM pin? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the discount codes. I don't know your ATM pin. I don't know nothing. So, again... <laughs> And I only had one TBI and just from a motorcycle crash. So I can't remember shit. Um, that's why my phone's like glued to me. If it's not in the phone, I'm screwed. Yeah. So um, anyways, we're back with uh, our buddy Rick Hogg from Warhog Tactical and On the Range Podcast. So we we get to work. Uh, we got Duco. We're working him. Medical problems we talked about. A little hitching his giddy up that is obvious. And it's becoming an issue. So when they decide to make the decision, uh, was it straight? Did he go straight to you? Was there a lag time? Was he at the kennel for a while? How'd that all spin out? No, I mean, he was still my dog. Uh, and it was funny because his retirement and my retirement pretty much ran parallel. So I knew, um, I knew when I was getting out and we started seeing the med issues with him. So it's like, all right, let's get his paperwork put in and, and get it done. So yeah, in essence, my retirement ceremony was his retirement ceremony. So Perfect. We both, we both walked out together. So yeah, it was a good thing. So let's go, let's back up and talk about what caused the injury. Talk about that night. If you can, as much as you can, um, 30 feet from a helo sounds horrible. Absolutely yeah. Horrible. So, so we were coming into target one night, um, over in Afghanistan, you know, 
standard kind of we didn't realize it um at first but the, the ground was kind of sloping so the pilots come in they start rolling a little bit they go to a, a rear wheel hover you know the boys are starting to bail out things look good um and get to that point we're getting ready to, to disembark you know it's going to be a little drop no big deal done it umpteen times before and next thing you know boom he just pulls power and for my recollection of jumping off of things and doing stuff i'm gonna say it was about 30 feet and it's like oh good lordy so we start flailing down and you know hit hear the big snap bang see the uh the stars and all that other stuff and whenever however long i was out for i remember uh waking up my nods were knocked off my face i know there's a rotor tail rotor somewhere very close to my melon Ooh. and uh duke is all wrapped up in my purse um just because of the way i had him on the vest so this hand you know these fingers are all just twisted around it's like all right buddy let's start low crawling and trying to save our own life because i really don't want to get killed by my own aircraft um aircraft flushes you know get up kind of check things out number one get your nods back on all right i got no um somehow lost the magazine out of my rifle at that point use my left hand to go get a new one this thing doesn't work so here we go so grab one out of the right make sure that's good duke seemed to be walking fine so we're like all right all's well um i remember there was at least two or three caves kind of like these little caves or cutouts um leading up to the compound and of course hey man they want to get the dog up there to check them out so going back this is when get to figure out i've got no left hand uh it's a very tight quarter where you really can't get another security guy in there so i wind up hooking duke up to the uh to the long line i basically pin the long line underneath my arm so my arm is acting like my hands for friction uh got my rifle under my arm you know using my ir laser going all right if there's somebody we've got to deal with i guess we'll deal with it this way and kind of let him run to about full length did a check you know nothing seemed to uh didn't alert anything so it's like all right clamp your arms tight and just start walking back and rolling them back and kind of repeat that process to the next one and um i think that was either one or two i, I don't remember because again the whole concussive amnesia thing i don't remember actions on the target um don't really really remember exfilling from target i think i remember at some point telling uh, our medic hey man i probably need to see you when we're done hmm. um yeah it was just I cared more about my hand than I did my head. I don't think I even told him about being knocked out because for the longest time, I never would say I was knocked out. I'd say I had unaccounted time because again, if you start whacking your brain, the last thing you want to do is get benched. Um, what the hell's unaccounted time? It's Rick's way of lying to everybody going, yeah, I got knocked out. I just don't want to say it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of one of those, uh, any of my service members out there, if you're listening, dude, if you've been knocked out, tell somebody you've been knocked out. That was probably the dumbest thing because uh, I probably should have got checked out after that or at least got some things notated. Um, but I cared about my hand. I was like, I need my hand to work. That's what I care. I, I thought it was broken. Um, you know, Doc's initial look, he thought, hey, maybe you pop the tendon over. So, of course, you know, now you're sitting there trying to fly out, find a place in the country that's got, you know, x-ray machine, get some x-rays on it. All right. And yeah, wind up just kind of chilling out for a little bit, just trying to get that thing healed and Probably went to uh, to game day sooner than I should, but I wasn't like the boys going to go out, you know, without their most important asset on the uh, on the battleground. So it was like, hey, we'll figure out how to finagle things there. And yeah, so the hand's never been the same. 
and that you know talked about kind of those catastrophic events for me that was probably the catastrophic event for both of us unbeknownst to him but you know down the road at least for me it's like why is my memory going i think you know that that major concussive uh episode on top of everything else didn't help things out you know the hands never really recovered back to the same the radiating nerve pain is still there you know back looks uh crookier than a politician you know all the the Mm -hmm. crap that happens you know necks all jacked up um because again i remember we looked at x-rays from 11 because you got to get your chest x-ray or whatever you can kind of see part of the uh the c-series in your spine it looks good and next you know we got one after that uh that fall and it's like oh good lordy man what's going on there so it, it is what it is yeah, when a layman, when you you're not a medical guy and you can see it, you're like, oh yeah, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> that, that doesn't look. Hey, that doesn't look right. You know, you're just comparing pictures. Hey, man, yeah. <laughs> what happened? So on awesome. the right, we have a normal one. On the left is yeah. yours, and you're and, like, oh. I got and it. I think part of that too is you know where the ground was sloped because we talked about the the helo kind of rolling downhill. You know, so you got to think. I didn't even hit both feet at the side at the same time. You know, one side hit first, then smashed the other. So who knows? Yeah, it it is what it is, but. What ended up being the issue with the hand? Was it a tendon popped over or did you break no, it? No, it wasn't broken. The tendon didn't pop over. I think it was just massive soft tissue on there. But then in turn, what wound up happening was um, unbeknownst at the time, um, you had C, C5, C6 kind of getting that impingement going on. So that's where that radiating nerve pain came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there had to be something done to the ligaments because your whole range of movement gets super restricted. Um, any type of, you know, whenever you went flat palm and kind of put any pressure down like that, you know, you started getting all kinds of radiating nerve pain from, uh, from that, uh, was it ring finger there? So yeah, it just, and again, it was one of those that you just kind of deal with it till it gets to a certain point. And then typically when you get to that certain point where you got, in my case, it was an arm that wouldn't push and an arm that wouldn't pull. It's like, hey, you go see the PTs, like we need to get something fixed. And when they start unraveling Pandora's box, it's like, oh, good Lord. Because originally it was like, hey, get these arms working. I think this one here is because of the elbow. Yeah, it was because of the elbow, because the radiating nerve pain, unbeknownst to me, because we tried working on the elbow for like three or four weeks. Then she was like, let me try something. Started doing uh, some dry needle in the neck. And then next thing you know, miraculously, the elbow pain goes away. It's like, let's get an MRI of that. Oh, good Lord. You know, it's like, yeah you got some jacked up stuff. So it is what it is. You know, it's one of those things, you know, you put 29 years in and it's a hard life and ultimately your body pays for it. And I think the same thing, you know, with our working dogs, man, why did Duco get cancer? You know, is it inherent in their genes or is it just from them being at such a ground level, sniffing up all that crap? You know, I'm going to say lean to the the latter side and say it's probably all that stuff they're sniffing. Mm -hmm. So many of them end up with cancer. It's, I mean, it can't, you know, there has to be, there has to be something there. So what, mm-hmm. what did his, he, he retires, you retire off, yep. you go turn all your shit in, out you go. What, mm-hmm. uh, what that look like after that? What, what would you do for a little bit with him? Man, I, I took full advantage of the retirement thing. Right. So um, it's like, Hey buddy, here's the couch. You want to hang out on the couch? You want to sleep in the bed? You want whatever? <laughs> I said, I, I don't care. Um, you know, we still were working some routines, you know, still working his obedience and stuff like that. But excuse me, I wasn't one of these guys that was like, Hey, you can't be on the couch. Um, now I will say this, my wife, she introduced him to like the goldfish crackers. She introduced him to, 
Let's have some snacks, you know, from the table. So <laughs> he's probably like, really, is this real? We can yeah. do this. Well, that, <laughs> this is a thing. Um, you know, eating stuff off the floor. It's like, he wasn't used to eating stuff off the floor. Hey, I eat what's in this stainless steel pan that this guy gives me and all's good because he's been trained. Hey, disregard the rest of the crap. You don't need it. Let's go. Um, and yeah, so it's like, here's mama, you know, pointing the toe, go, Hey buddy, have this right here. And he's kind of looking going, Oh yeah. And so she built that in. And then in turn, he kind of got dubbed, um, the heater because of course he would go up to her kind of panting on her leg. Cause he knows he's going to get some type of snacks or table scraps or something from her. And she's like, can you get yep. your dog? I'm like, absolutely not. I said, you have trained that behavior. I said, I will let you untrain it. He's your now. now. That's <laughs> He's it. yours now. Like, yeah. I don't know. He, he didn't have that problem with me. <laughs> yeah. So as you taught on that one. Um, so yeah. And then, um, yeah. So, you know, did a little bit of stuff. Um, I think it was, we were tired in 17. I think it was 18. Um, 511 hit us up with the launch of the, uh, they were working with Ubisoft for the whole Far Cry 5. And if anyone's seen Far Cry 5, the dog in there, Boomer, retrieves a rifle. And uh, I had a working relationship with those guys. And they're like, hey, man, do you think Duco could retrieve a rifle? I'm like, I guess. I said, let's give it a shake. And, mm -hmm. you know, I said, nothing we've ever trained before, but I'm sure we can work some things out. And, uh, yeah, I did a couple, you know, rehearsals with him, picked it up quick. The only thing I did different um, – I still used a fully weighted rifle when I did it, but I just put fire hose on it because, uh, you know, him breaking a tooth for them making a, a video wasn't, you know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze on that one. And that was really the only thing I did uh, different, but yeah. So he's next, you know, retrieving that thing. And that kind of, if you want to say launched Duco a little bit into, uh, I want to say the stardom role, but it was like, yeah, man, it's like, who's this dog that's, you know, fetching this rifle. Is that, is that Boomer? I was like, no, that's Duco. So we had to make some corrections on stuff, but yeah, that, that got things rolling. Um, we ended up doing an episode on uh, trigger time TV, you know, talking about military working dogs and that whole process, did a little bit on that. Um, he has his own then, Instagram page. I saw he does. He does have his own Instagram. Yep. So it's, so it's war dog two G's. So we're running with the same thing with the hog. So it's war dog Duco, D U C O. And, um, we still have it. It's now his memorial page mm -hmm. and, because here's the thing, and I'm kind of fast forwarding, um, you know, to losing him a little bit, but the building up that time, you know, Duco started building, you know, started having people that would follow him. And the whole thing with the osteosarcoma, um, I had people reach out to me after I lost him and they're like, he inspired me. Hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you've got a three-legged dog that's out there getting after it. And I'm having this struggle, this trauma, this, whatever. Um, it just inspired me. And I was like, wow, never thought of it that way. So, you know, he had built kind of that notoriety, he'd built kind of that following. And then in turn, um, the outpouring of support was absolutely phenomenal. So you had explosive apparel design, UK based company, they were in the process of doing uh, the Blackbeard and Friend. So if you're all familiar with kind of the Blackbeard patch, so they've got the Blackbeard and Friend. Um, those guys reached out to me and say, hey, man, you care if we do this in honor of Duco? And I was like, no, by all means. And then like, oh, by the way, we want to give money to charity. I'm like, 
Yeah, absolutely. But these guys took it a step further, right? So you could just have the plain old, you know, Blackbeard and friend. But what he did was typically he just had um, the Union Jack on his apparel because obviously a British company, but they put the U.S. flag on there. He put explosive uh, apparel on the Union Jack and then on the U.S. flag, he put Duco in there in the center. So, you know, that was kind of the step um, of seeing the outpouring of support, you know, for him. Um, my buddy Paul at Teutonic uh, Distillery, you know, we got done um, shooting a video with myself, Pat Mack, uh, Jamie Caldwell and, and Dutch Moyer. And I think it was Jamie that actually kind of initiated the initial either hitting Paul up to do the labels because Paul had done um, some of his bourbon with, you know, our specific labels on there. And one of them was that picture of me with Duco on my shoulder. And uh, Jamie kind of started this thing and I hit Paul up. I was like, hey, would you be willing to do an unarmed Duco um, label on there? He's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, so now we got, we've got clothes. Now we've got bourbon going on. Um, and then Shannon winds up um, with the whole CrossFit thing, doing a memorial workout to Duco. So now I got people doing yeah. workouts, you know, so it's like that support, you know, people saying, Hey man, your dog motivated me. He, he inspired me. He did this, um, apparel, bourbon workouts. That's it. I didn't want any of that stuff, but it keeps his memory alive and it's telling the stories. And, you know, we've had a couple articles done, um, but people don't understand the bond that's built. And I think that's the key part. And I'm not downplaying anybody um, that loses a pet. You know, I'm not downplaying the loss at all. But people have to understand, Duco was part of me. And it's very hard if you've never been on the battlefield or you've never had to employ a dog. He is part of me, the fact of when I would launch him from me, you know, quick little prayer, God bring him back to me. And he always did. But it was like, I'm sending myself out there in front of the pack because this guy doesn't know any fear and he's going to make sure that we're safe that night. Um, and, and it's, I think that's the part that, that people don't get is that bond. You know, it's, I am him and he is me. You know, here's this guy that requires everything but asks for nothing. So I'm not downplaying anybody else, but it's just a very difficult it's hard to put it in words what that bond is. Um, and then really the last kind of solidifying factor is I'm here on this planet because of that dog. You know, that it, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. So um, you put all that stuff together and yeah, it it's a total gut punch. Uh, it's a total emotion. And then you kind of go, yeah, I could have shut his IG page down. I didn't. So we're going to keep that, keep that up, keep that running, keep that memory alive. Um, warhog.com first thing you're going to come across you know uh in our duco he's got his own kind of drop down in uh in our about spot where it's like hey in honor of duco so it's just getting that word out there um our canine product line that we're getting ready to launch here shortly how to get my remade labels all done because i wanted that to say in honor of duco so it's just keeping that anytime you're doing something you know from the warhog tactical side we're going to tell duco story we're going to keep that going and people are going to know that, yeah, he was absolutely uh, the gold standard when it came to dogs, 100%. Like I said, if I could if I could have cloned that dog, 100%, I would have. He was that good. You know, uh, this is the first interview that we've had after 
everything that's going on over there, um, which we're not really talk about. But um, there was an article that was written, and where did they have that, Eric? Have you seen that? And it was, I remember who they, but it talked about how um, all of the retired SF dogs, and they use that term phrase loosely to include that entire community from NSW to rangers to whoever um some of the marsoc dogs and you know that those dogs were an integral part of the whole process of coming back and like you said like he interacted with the guys he interacted with the team what was it the one that jason was the one that jason did i think so i think so it was one it was just like recently like recently came out like on like on sunday yeah today's august 16th yeah Yeah, and it was yeah me me and kelly me and kelly talked talked with uh with jason on that one yeah so um i've read that and i was i I read through it and i'm like and you know it kind of like ties together all the stories of guys that we've had on here and everybody talks about you know because one of the things we always ask we and you've kind of talked about it you're like you know is there a time you've had where you're like oh shit i'm glad the dog was there and then um also (laughs) did any you told the story about him tearing up the toy that somebody got but uh, we've Mm. had dogs eat people's sandwiches eat people's food um somebody's dog ate all the meat out of a sandwich and left from the bread <laughs> like thanks bro so yeah. um is there another time that duco uh is there a time that you specifically remember that stands out that you're like ah, i'm really really glad that he was here and we'll yeah if- there's a bunch of and i'm not going to get into all the details of them but yeah there's a bunch of bunch of things there that he had he not been there or had he not done his job, um, the pack wouldn't have came back as a whole. There would have been a deficit somewhere. And, you know, again, it's, and here's the thing, right? I hate, I hate to do, um, hey, look at Duco and what Duco did, right? Because Duco came home. So that, that's easy, right? Um, let's look at the dogs that didn't come home. So you got to think that same 12 rotation, one of his teammates didn't come home, you know? So mm-hmm. does anyone say the name Timo? Nope. But Timo got killed, you know, going after, you know, a couple guys barricaded up. And, yeah, he gave the assault force that opportunity. You know, number one, they didn't really know exactly where these guys were at. Um, launched them out there. And, you know, obviously after they, uh, after they engaged Timo and, and he was killed. But, yeah, they knew where they were at and uh, stitched them up. But that's the thing. I, I don't like to go, hey, here's the Duco stories, right? Yeah, I'll give you generics. He did. But what about the dogs that didn't come home? So that very rotation we're talking about, you know, falling out of healer, everything else. Um, one of his teammates did not come home, paid the ultimate sacrifice for his pack. And I think that's the part that, that people need to go. Um, take a look at the SFK9 Memorial and look at those names. And again, you're not going to get a whole bunch of stories, right? Um, probably nobody's ever heard, you know, the Timo story because I just said it. Um, Pepper's probably the most famous. But then again, Pepper never came home. We, oh, yeah. we still don't know. We still don't know to this day what happened to Pepper. You know, how's it, yeah. you know, think about it. What a gut punch that is. Yeah. When we had Dave on, he talked about that and, yeah. you know, and he said even the 160th guys were like, they were flying around until the sun it, was coming up. And it, they, they did everything. I, yeah. I still believe, you know, Pepper took old boy to the drink. That, that's just my opinion. Right. I, I don't, I can't confirm it, uh, but that's what I think. Um, but you know, that's the part that it, it's those dogs, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my dog back. I was fortunate enough to retire my dog. How about the guy that's got to get back on the bird 
with this dog in a freaking ammo can. You know, do we ever talk about that stuff? Nope, we don't. You know, and, and again, I'm not trying to be somber or anything like that, but I just, we have to look at those other dogs that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, what did they do? They gave up their life for their pack. And I think that's the part that people forget. So they're out there fearless. They don't understand the fear. And they go out there, yep, find the bad guys. Sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they hit that body bomber right as he's getting ready to clack and that's enough to throw him at a certain angle where now the blast is going up versus at the boys. So those are the things, you know, I, I think it's important they get highlighted. I think those are the things that's important. You know, we talk to these other dogs because people need to hear their story as well. So that's just kind of Rick's opinion on that. Yeah. yeah. We, you, know, you know, the real quick, the funny, not funny thing, I guess, but when, when Duco passed mm-hmm. pretty quickly, I yeah. saw it on, I don't know, man, like 20, 30 pages. Yeah. Yep. It was, if it was Rick Hogg that had passed, eh, maybe a couple places would have said it but uh it just goes to show you the love that people have for those dogs and and what they mean to people mm-hmm. and and you know and i know you wouldn't have it any other way you wouldn't care you know what i mean so um it's uh yeah and like the workout you're talking about that came out fast like i was yeah. like holy shit i am not in shape for that i gotta nope. i was trying to work up to something yeah so when shannon when shannon first did that um you know, the buy-in was a hundred pound sandbag, you know, for the run. I was like, Shannon, let's do this. That's cool. I said, let's go 60. That was his fight and weight. Mm-hmm. I said, let's make it a 60 pound. Like you're hauling him. She's like, sounds good with, you know, with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was the thing, right? So all this, all these things happened um, kind of near simultaneous, you know, so explosive apparel is getting ready to, to do their series. Boom. They reach out, um, you know, to tonic you know, Shannon, all that stuff. And believe it or not, to the best of my knowledge, because I did put a disclaimer when I put that post out, I told the interwebs, and I think all but one that I've come across um, has made a mention to him. I was like, if you're going to take this picture, I said, make sure you mention Duco and you say something to keep his name alive. Just don't steal the picture because it's a cool picture. Who cares? You know, take this picture and go boom. It's an honor of Duco or something to mention him. That was my whole point. Um, and like I said, thus far, I think I've only had one. They might've tagged us in it, but they really didn't put a mention. I'm like, guys, come on, you know? And, and of course I basically took um, the same thing that I'd wrote, copy to paste it and put it in the remarks. Mm-hmm. So, but that was, you know, I shouldn't have to put a disclaimer, but this day and age you do. Hey, to the interwebs, if you're going to use it, throw him the bone because I just wanted him um to be remembered and i think for the most part everyone did but yeah like you said there was a bunch of people um you know that reposted it and and got it out there and so i am super grateful for that and oh by the way it's people are still doing it right so now um people still reposting some of those pictures you know we've got a new hashtag in honor of duco so you got to look at all the apparel stuff all the bourbon stuff all the workout stuff in honor of duco so it's just it's one more way um, you know, to keep things going. And then I've got, you know, things like, you know, the Duco flag, um, you know, back there from uh, Jason and Sonny. So it, just the overwhelming support, that's the part that gets me. Um, even the guys at 5'11", because I did, 
a podcast right before um, right before we kind of got the catastrophic news, but I knew his cancer had come back. And uh, it was with um, Jackson, his mom and dad, and, you know, service dog Chase. And I get very emotional. So I'm actually kind of surprised I kept my emotions together with you guys. But it, it was emotional because, I mean, I know these guys and I knew I knew kind of the diagnosis, but I didn't know how bad. Um, and they were very respectful because they posted it after uh, he had passed and they just put a, you know, a mention there. So everything's been good. But, you know, getting back to his osteosacoma, right? Because I think this is important for guys to understand. Um, so what, I had had Duco nine years, I guess. And I didn't realize, you know, even when I kind of felt this back leg, because I, you know, when we initially looked at this, it's like, man, there's something wrong with his leg. <clears throat> I couldn't feel it. The vet, as soon as she touched it, she's like, I think he's got osteosarcoma. I'm like, what's that? You know, now I'm out there on the Google machine going, mm-hmm. what? You know, it's like, oh. So we went through that whole process, but it's, it's one of those that, is it what they do? Is it what they're exposed to? Is it whatever? I, I don't know, but I would just tell guys, if you see anything um, going wrong with your dog, especially, you know, with their legs, get it checked out immediately. Because we thought originally, because we've got hardwood floors here in the house, uh, we thought he just kind of busted his butt racing around the couch, you know, and just kind of lost it. And all right, hey, it just wasn't healing up the right way. But, um, and I think I was, I think I was naive on it as well. So fantastic surgeons that took care of him. Um, obviously they amputated the leg. They took the lymph node as well. Lymph node came back as it was clean. And then, oh, by the way, yeah. So his lymph node, nothing, no cancer detected. And then we do four rounds of chemo. So I'm thinking in my mind, I got years with this guy. I said, we are going to have fun, you know, with my new tripod, three-legged dog, whatever you want to say. And we did. I mean, things were progressing very well. Um, and then I guess it was in June, you know, he started having some issues with that rear paw. I'm thinking, all right, did he mess it up? Did he jack it up? And it was getting, you know, it was a little swollen. So it was like thinking, all right, some type of soft tissue. What I think was actually going on with him, unbeknownst to me, um, and we didn't realize this until the Thursday before he passed, because mm-hmm. I put everything in days of the week because it makes sense to me. Um, took him in because we had had, oh, I think it was like in April. He had you know some dental done, had his chest x-ray. Everything was clean. Uh, bring him back in June, you know, to get the, the rear paw looked at. Um, said, hey, since he's here, let's grab some x-rays. All right, we got some spots back. But his blood work didn't look super crazy. Uh, by that next Thursday, because we had some dramas that day, I needed to bring him back in on the vet. Um, blood work was out of control, more spots back, and basically his cells were breaking down. So I think the edema I was seeing beforehand was the onset of the cells breaking down. And then, cause I mean, his front paws were just absolutely huge. And it got to a point yeah. where it was just painful for him to walk in. And here's the thing, Duco, I don't know of another dog that had such the pain tolerance that dog did. His pain tolerance was astronomical. You know, he would not let you know one iota. And maybe that was why, you know, earlier on, he never showed any signs of symptoms. He just, you know, powered through. That was Duco. That's just part of who he was. Um, but you could tell right there towards the end, it was just, 
it was rough for him to do anything. And, you know, unfortunately we sat there and, all right, um, you know, let's give you one more 4th of July, buddy. And unfortunately, you know, we made the decision uh, on the 5th of July that, you know, we're going to end his suffering. And he had that look, you know, you could tell he was tired and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, as the biggest gut punch going and still, still dealing with it today. But I would just say this, you know, whether it's um, your viewers, your listeners, mine, whoever, interwebs, the amount of prayer support, absolutely overwhelming, you know, from flash to bang from the start of this thing, from basically me putting um, kind of the first prayer request out in November to him passing. And it still continues today. So I couldn't ask for better support. Um, and then really, it's just kind of taking on that next mission of number one, just keeping his memory alive um, and just keep telling his story. So whether it's people wearing clothes, sipping bourbon, working out, you know, whenever my product line ships, you know, just everything just to remember um, this dog, his sacrifice, what he did. And like I said, in my opinion, and I don't say this just because he was mine, but he is the gold standard of uh, a combat assault dog. So if I could duplicate him, I would. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough, man. That's really tough. Um, but, I, you know, I'm sure you're thankful for every second that you got to have with that dog. I, even the yeah, even the bad ones, man. It, it, I was 100% blessed mm-hmm. um, to get an additional seven months with him, right? And, and here's the thing. I put out, um, I don't know if I did it before that day or whatever, but we, we recorded a video on the 5th you know, out there in the backyard, just kind of thanking everybody for what they did. And I mean, you look at him, he's laying down, everything looks all right, but everything was just not he was right. so, right. he was so swollen up and things were just breaking down. It's just like, Oh God. And yeah. So you kind of knew the inevitable was happening or going to happen. Um, but like I said, at the end of the day, just the support has been the overwhelming deal. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't thank people enough for all that. And I, I can't thank people enough for, for keeping it going. That's really the thing at the end of the day is, you know, continue to do stuff in honor of him. Yeah, man, that's uh, super touching. All right. We're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to get into the business side with Warhog tactical. So take this time during the commercial break to go wipe your tears because that was pretty, pretty strong segment there. Um, stick around. We will be right back. All right. Working dog radio. We are back broadcasting the bite here with Rick Hogg from Warhog Tactical. We just uh, went through the life and times of Duco. Um, and, you know, how the his work life and all the sacrifice he made in, in his retirement and uh, what the end of his life looked like, that uh, was pretty poignant. So, yeah, change, change gears here a little bit, lighten it up just a tad. Um, sure. So we were, uh, Ted and I both were checking out the, uh, uh, the website, uh, warhogtactical.com, right? Or warhog.com. Looks like warhog.com. Yep. Um, a lot of training videos and things on there. Uh, I know you got a ton of stuff going on. Let's talk about uh, the new canine stuff you got coming up. And if you want to talk about what's coming up in October in Miskatatuck. Yeah, so beginning of September, October, uh, we're out at Muscatatuck Training Center out in Indiana with the American Tactical Canine Association. Um, so obviously, JC, known him for a bunch of years, reached out to me, said, yeah, buddy, we'll help you out, get this thing up off the ground. So I'll be teaching uh, four days 
of uh, pistol out there to the uh, LEO canine handlers. Mm-hmm. Um, still working out, you know, I think everyone's bringing dogs. I don't know. There's still some dynamics to figure out what everyone's doing. Uh, people are just coming out, bringing dogs, not bringing mm-hmm. dogs. So we'll work through all that stuff out there. But yeah, super excited for that and just getting that thing and really just getting the word out there. So the biggest thing guys need to understand, I don't know that guys will get a better deal because I believe it's 500 bucks for a week worth of training. Uh, oh, by the way, he's going to have a vendor day. So you're going to see a bunch of, you know, different stuff that's out there and really just be exposed. So what JC did was pull out the old Rolodex from the guys we used to work with mm-hmm. and just a who's who and pick some fantastic people. So it really gives guys the opportunity and hopefully you don't do what you're good at, do the things that uh, your dog struggles at and go find those points. Or if you're weak in the marksmanship side, you know, myself and Dutch will be out there or whatever, but do something to improve yourself. Cause too many times what you see is, all right, let's say for example, you've got, you know, a good bite dog, or whatever. All right. You always want to do bite work, but are you doing the detection stuff? Nope. Cause why he stinks at detection, but you don't want to show anybody that. So just get out there and work that. But I think that'll be a great venue for people um, to really enhance their skills and, and, just a phenomenal, I think he's got 21, 21 instructors thus far. Um, so yeah, yeah that'll be a great. We had him on recently and he went through a bunch of them. And I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, it, yeah, it, no, him. you only get we to know him, you only get to know him, know him. Yeah. And you only get to pick like three or four. I don't just how many you get to pick. They give one a day or something, right? So you get like five days or four. So mm-hmm. out of yeah. the 21, you got to pick like, you're like, oh, you got to pick them. <laughs> yeah. Use your time so, wisely. Yeah, that's, that's why because everyone listening because everyone knows cops waste last fucking minute and we were like don't wait because if there's one you want to go to it's going to fill up mm-hmm. i promise <laughs> yeah and it's 500 that's... bucks training lodging and food yeah yeah it's I, crazy it's a steal you 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 will not find a better deal out there um but the thing is i got it we're in a current day and age where you know people say the funding you know defund and all this other stuff but there's money out there because trust me departments still out there training and 500 bucks to drop in the bucket, um, you know, for guys looking to train. So yeah, that'll be a good time. I don't know if you guys are rolling out that way or not, but. Yeah. We're talking about going out there um, yeah. and doing podcast stuff. Okay. We're setting up and, and right. getting interviews and maybe doing some lives. And mm-hmm. cause there's, you know, 21 instructors that <laughs> like all yeah. at once. So yeah. I'm like, fuck. Some I have been on the podcast. <laughs> some yeah. haven't. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely. Uh, now I've been uh, to MUTC th- one, two, three times. Have you been up okay. there at all? I, I've never been. Oh. So yeah, you'd be like, and, I can't believe it. Yeah. So last so, time I was there, I uh, just taught there a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and um, the some of the boys from your old unit were there doing some night stuff, and yeah. um, it was good. It's the place always impresses me, man. There's yeah. so many cool stuff up there, and um, for me, it's about six, six hour drive, six and a half. It's not bad. Okay. Um, I know the Cincy boys, it's like 45 minutes for them, for yeah. Donnie and them guys. Yep. But uh, yeah, that place is, that place is awesome. So um, what other things you said, you got some new stuff coming out for uh, through Warhog. Yeah. So we're going to do um, we're in the final kind of phases here and I say final, but I say potentially ramping up as well. So, we're getting ready to launch uh, the start of our canine product line. Again, long time coming. Uh, obviously, with last year, put a total kibosh. Uh, my original manufacturer, because again, I was trying just to stay small and local. Um, 
I'm not sure what happened, old boy. You know, try to call, text, email, every type of communication, heard nothing from him. So, um, because you just switch some gears, you know, find somebody else. And of course, by the time you're doing, hey, let's get samples back. And oh, by the way, supply train issues is going on with everything nowadays. Uh, we're right about at that finish point. So hopefully we'll be launching uh, the first of many, but then, oh, by the way, it's it just things have it. Uh, got approached by another company today that might want to do some collab stuff, um, you know, to kind of expand on that whole thing. So super excited about that. But yeah, you will see, um, there's a couple things that are non-negotiable with me. Non-negotiable, number one, anyone I partner with when it comes to manufacturing, it will be made here in the USA. I will have that flag on there. No ands, ifs, or buts. Um, so if somebody's out there listening from company X that decides they want to do business with Warhog Tactical, especially on uh, the product line side, if you're not willing to make it in the US, sorry, I don't want to do business. That's just, you know, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is it's got to say, so like I, we're talking about redoing the remake labels in honor of Duco. It, it's got to have that on there. So that's the other part of this key thing because everything um, that's designed, the stuff that we're getting ready to come out with was all born off the battlefield, all because of these dogs I worked. Um, and here's the thing, it just doesn't have, you know, it's just not a single type application. So I won't let all the cats out of the bag. Um, what I will tell people is, hey, if they go to warhog.com, sign up for our newsletter, that when we get ready to launch this thing, because I will let the people on the newsletter know prior to, um, I'd launch it out if you want to say on social, because to me, that's your true people. So we look at all these different numbers and stuff on social, you can have umpteen thousand followers. Okay, are they really following or are they not? But a person that's willing to sign up for the newsletter, hey, they're kind of committed um, so we give them the benefit of the doubt on all that stuff. So we'll sit there and launch that out to those guys first. And then, um, we'll start kind of the, the marketing campaign and get the word out there and yeah, launch stuff and go from there. So exciting times on that. Um, but yeah, those are my, my kind of two non-negotiables when it comes to stuff. I like it. So I just, sorry, I just grabbed my phone and made sure I was following you on uh, Instagram and your other social media pages. Mm-hmm. I know I follow the dog on there. Um, yeah, yeah we're going to try to get up. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try. Yeah. I'm going to follow the dog. Who cares about exactly. you? No offense. <laughs> so Trust um, me, he's a bit, but that was, so I got to hit this, right. Just because you brought it up <laughs> is everyone would always ask, you know, when I'm out running my firearm training classes, Hey, is Duco coming? I'm like, no, I've tried that before. And you people <laughs> are all distracted and just want to mess with the dog yeah. and you're not out dog. here. It, that's it. Like, hey, yeah. you are up on the range. Get your ass over here. Yeah. You know, so. it's like, hey, man, let's go bring Duke out. Hey, man, we're here to shoot guns, you know? Come on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So finally <laughs> got to the point. No. Is Duke coming? No. He's hanging out at the couch with Mama. Yeah. Eating <laughs> it. yeah. Crackers eating and shit off the floor. <laughs> eating goldfish. So. <laughs> or getting What's, some new uh, toy. That, that yeah. was the other thing. She would spoil with toys, too. Are you uh, still East Coast? I am. Yep. Still North Carolina-based. But we travel all over the country. So, um, you know, pretty much what I do is if it's east of the Mississippi, I'll pretty much drive. If it's west, we're jumping on a plane and flying just because it kind of yeah. makes logistically more sense. You have to get you to come up. The My my facility is 40,000 square feet. Nice. And I have a 10-room uh, Simron shoot house in it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's heated in bathrooms. So maybe we'll set up something for the winter. Yeah, no AC. So summer is kind of out, but, uh, and the nice thing about my place is 
at, there's no windows. So at nine o'clock in the morning, it's, yeah. it's black. So nice. you can run, you can run nods on guys, you know, things like that. So we'll have to see about maybe getting you to come up for a, mm-hmm. for a weekend. Um, Absolutely. Well, man, I, I, I'm going to get on the website and sign up for the newsletter for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Where else uh, you want to plug up the, uh, the interweb uh, social media place where people can find you? Really? So here's the thing. I drive everyone to warhog.com because number yep. one, not, not everyone has social, but if you go to warhog.com, that, that I call them the all... lucky ones, the people who don't yeah. have fucking social media. Well, yeah. It's Warhog <laughs> with two G's. So it, it is two G's. it's like on your hat, but if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can't see that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So W A R H O G G. Um, because here's the thing for the most part, pretty much everyone has uh, the interwebs, but they don't have the social, which Trust me, if I wasn't running a business, I wouldn't have social either. Um, Amen. But yeah, but if you go to um, warhog.com, if you want to see us on social, we got all our social links on there. Uh, on the Range podcast is there. If you want to get part of our Patreon, that's on there. Um, my courses, my products, all my stuff, my instructional DVD, everything you need. You know, I've tried to make warhog.com the one-stop shop because again, it used to be, People would always go, hey, where can we find you on social? I'm on this and I'm on that. You know what? Uh-uh. To, to me, I'm because I know I'm manipulated on by big tech. Mm-hmm. My platform, I own that. I put the content on that. I can put whatever I want on there, right? So that's why I direct everyone, hey, go to warhog.com. Oh, by the way, within the first 10 seconds, whatever, the little newsletter is going to pop up. If you're that interested, do me a favor. Um, you know, Subscribe to the newsletter. I, trust me, I don't bombard you. I typically do um, about a monthly newsletter just to give people what's up because it really used to be when I started the whole newsletter process, people want to know about Duco. And it was just, my phone was being blown up on the social platforms. How's Duco? How's Duco? How's Duco? Okay. Watch it. Check it out. I got to sign up for the newsletter. Boom. Here you go. And there would be a section on there and we still might do it, you know, kind of Duco update or whatever's going on with Duco. Uh, I think in the last one, you know, we talked about, I think July's we talked about the peril and, and, August, we talked about the bourbon. Uh, probably September's, I'll mention the the workout and you know a bunch of people doing that. But to me, that's the place to go. One stop shop. Um, links to some of our YouTube stuff because we got stuff on YouTube as well. A um, little bit of canine stuff on there. Um, me talking to the SOF Canine Memorial in 2018. Um, bunch of just different inside of military working dogs. But anything I get, you know, content wise, just always driving it to warhog.com so that people can get uh the one-stop shop that i control and i'm not worried about big tech uh pulling down my bourbon because i'm selling it it's like no there's a distributor that's selling it i'm not selling bourbon out of my garage but right yeah they they pulled you know a post down on that i'm just like guys read read the full thing would you but so that's my rant uh, on the big tech and being frustrated hmm. with that so on the range podcast uh yep. what is that about all Obviously, things, this is like working th- dog stuff, but so what's on right. the range? On the range is all things America. Bam. All right. Plus, boom. plus, boom. Plus, we got um, not just Americans on there. So, you know, we re- here's the thing, man. We reach out to everybody. Or now we got it where people are starting to reach out to us. And really, um, we kind of skin it two different ways. We got a couple variants. So obviously, we got our guests that go on there. The guest is about the guest. So it's the guest show. Hey, man, do you got an agenda? Nope. 
we talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, so for example, we had, I think Jack Carr is a good one. Um, Jack came on. Jack really didn't want to talk about the launch of the book. He wanted to talk about him filming uh, the terminal list and kind of all the stuff there. Uh, <laughs> got super excited about Magnum PI. We never deep dove into Magnum PI like I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, it's the guest show. Um, you know, another buddy of mine, Greg Thompson, you know, he was talking all about his his product lines and working with Vertex and stuff like that. So um on it up right now. So, yeah. you know, that's we've had a bunch of people on there. You know, we've had Hoist on there, Pat Mack. Um so Tim Kennedy's been on there. So it's just it's it, we make it their show. Um and then me and Mark get on there. Um kind of talk about kind of whatever's going on we started the warhog words of wisdom and actually that was started with duco um and unfortunately we kind of got that series cut short so i got a couple more still left to run on those but then i'm going to pick it up and pretty much the warhog words of wisdom is um typically questions and stuff like that that people ask so like if you look at i think it was uh number one we talked about you know his osteosarcoma because people asked about it uh, number two, I had some people going, Hey man, what's the best book for tactics? It's like, get you one of them ranger handbooks, you know, and we kind of went into that <laughs> stuff. So, um, that's kind of the, the words, you know, stuff on there. Uh, Mark's doing a little spin off of that, you know, vantage point. So we're dabbling in a bunch of different stuff when it comes to the podcast. Uh, but like you said before, it's, it's all learning. So there's no magical podcast book out there. Um, no, there is not. Yeah. <laughs> and how you navigate it, how you get it. So it's same thing with you guys, with, with our listeners, you know, it's all about them hitting the subscribe button, them leaving a rating or review. I don't care if it's just a thumbs up emoji, leave us something because in the grand scheme that kicks these algorithms to go, Oh, people are listening to these guys and mm-hmm. we should move them further up to get more reach. And it, it's all big tech guys. And, you know, not to get on the political side, but I ended up doing a podcast, um, you know, with a, a, a pro to a um, podcast and it, the thing was, I had that aha moment, right? It's not about two a, it's about the first. So you look at our founding fathers, why did they make the first, the first, because when you shut people's ability down to freely speak, man, and that's in essence, what's going on. So that's why you kind of need people's help. Hey, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the rating review I don't really trust me, save your time. Just hit a thumbs up emoji, you know, something (laughs) because that's going to get the magic machine to go. Oh, people like this guy or give me the middle finger one. I I don't care what you do. Just (laughs) something. Um, Just give me the the eggplant. Do the eggplant. Do the eggplant. (laughs) Have fun with it. Yeah. Do the eggplant one. (laughs) Yeah. Do all the emojis you want. I I don't care, but it's just, we've turned into this day and age where, you know, it's platforms like this, right? So it's us talking. Cool. That's us. There's nobody else getting involved. But where they get involved is how much reach can we get? And that's why we need, uh, you know, the viewers, listeners out there to go, okay, cool. And then, oh, by the way, if you like what you're hearing, pass it to your friends. Hey, man, have you guys heard this? And just try to use the whole grassroots to get the word out and so people know. So I just went on there and rated it and reviewed and yeah, it would not let me put the eggplant on there. I tried <laughs> Yeah, uh, did they okay. not? No, just, I typed in eggplant and it just fucking would stick. It was, it was not. You would not give me the emoji, fuckers. That's. Okay. If you're not watching us on YouTube, you can't see my face. But 
That's I'm yeah. surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, really? Well, I, it, but but it just but that's <laughs> the whole point, right? So it just goes to show, even if you wanted to give me the eggplant, I guess you can't. So it's all this backside control. That's the part that's killing me, man. So that's uh, why we try and like this isn't really like a politics show because believe me, every uh, well, you can definitely there is definitely a political side to what we talk about based on sure. you know everything that happened last summer and you know mm -hmm. what's going on now and you know Eric and I mainly Eric is famous for like everybody will forget in 13 minutes and move on to something else. Don't worry about it. Yep. So um, like Give everybody's out, everybody's outraged is something and then they're not outraged about it anymore. So um, we no, are but, working but, on a guest that is extremely political. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean like super political, but he has some very interesting things to say. Um, and it, it should be an interesting show if I can, I can nail him down, but we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, that will be one of the only ones that we do but you're right I mean you know from the beginning we always and especially with um, the video platform here like you're really limited on what you can and can't say and you know we mm -hmm. get well I, we haven't been demonetized but like the last episode Eric talked about a baby playing with a gun I was like oh that's <laughs> that'll work that'll do it you that'll, just gotta get past it. the first 30 seconds and <laughs> you're then you're good look at each other for well, at, least, at least you're at least you're monetized so yeah. you're doing something I, I right. I've yet to, I don't know, I don't even I, I can't even buy a Monster Energy drink with it yet, so it's you know, not really. I, I, yeah, well, I mean, no, but but the point the point being is like I can't figure out even on the YouTube side, right? So I knew I knew we were being shadow banded um, on Instagram. I knew mm -hmm. Duke was because where he's tied to me, but then when it comes to you know like the YouTube side, people's like, oh, video quality this and that and yada yada yada. Okay, I just launched in the spring uh, 20 some, 27 some odd videos professionally done by Panio Productions for the launch of the Walther uh, PDP. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me I get like zero growth out of it? Okay. I, when we're so, not on the know, website. Yeah, there's when, when, when we stop recording here, I'll okay. tell you. Yeah. Sounds, <laughs> so, sounds good. Gotcha. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, that's where we can find you, Warhog Tactical. Yep. Um, I'm at no, Torchlight War, Canine. Warhog.com. Um, Warhog.com. We're going to put it in the show notes, even though I fuck okay. it up. You can just scroll down and just hit the button. <laughs> just go straight to it. It's like, don't, just don't listen to me. Just fucking scroll to the bottom. Uh, I'm at Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine on Instagram and Facebook. And Torchlight Pets is on Instagram too for all the pet stuff. So if you want to watch me train the little short hair pointers, like you can do it there. Uh, I'm got my interns working them and we have so my explosive dog she's been uh, she's 10 weeks old uh she's already got multiple she's got about half a minute on odor and she'll stay in direct reward food i mean she's rock star so uh she'll be i'm gonna we're gonna finish not gonna finish gonna just we're gonna sell her at some point too um as a green dog but and then i got to do the puppies but that's forever eric where are you at uh van sk on instagram same with facebook vanskanine.com is the website i got pricing on there if you people reach out to me a lot about police dogs everything's on there i put a post up yesterday on instagram of a picture of the monkey that i used to own oh that's I right told the, the, yeah. the monkey story quite a bit um i owned him in like 1989 1990 and there's a my dad was going through some stuff and found a, an old picture of him sitting there with toby on his head <laughs> and <laughs> my daughter said uh you used to let him sit on your head. And I'm like, there was no let. Toby did what he wanted to do. And if you reached up to try to get him off, you were going to lose a finger. So 
Excellent. Those of you who have considered or had this thing where you want to own a monkey, don't do it. I'm don't telling you. It. <laughs> it's the most manpower intensive oh. thing. It's more than having a kid and they'll yeah. still bite you and they're disgusting and mean as shit. It's, it's not good. So I thought it was cool because I was working at a strip club and I, I had a ton of cash under my mattress and I went and dropped, you know, this was 1989, dropped three grand on a monkey. Like not, I was like the original Mike Tyson. Right. And, um, bought the cage, bought the monkey. So I had like four grand in the damn thing. And I was living in an apartment. So he was in my bedroom and, um, I mean, this is where he would turn the fucking light off and you would go turn it on and he'd freak out. Oh, no, real, real quick story. Now I got to go to the kennel. We would, um, a whole object permanence thing with monkeys. They can't see, you can't see them. They can't see you type deal. I would stand against the door because he could open doors. And my buddy would sit on the dresser and Toby would run up my shoulder, turn the light off, run down and go over and run up my buddy and bite him. He'd bite him right here on this, on his shoulder. And so what we started doing was I, he would turn the light off, roll up there. My buddy would go uh, now. And I flipped the light on and Toby would have his shoulder and with his mouth open and then stop, turn, run over, shut the light off, run back now. And we, we do that for hours, dude, for hours, <laughs> drinking beer, laughing our ass. He would do it every time. He never just said, screw it. Uh, I'm going to bite you anyways. We catch him. He turn around, run back and let, turn the light off. Then piss on me and all oh, that type of stuff. So it's not not fun. Nah. God, yeah, we had we were not allowed to have pets. We had two 14 foot Burmese pythons, what? five lizards, a monkey, and two cats. And both the cats vanished when one of the snakes got out. They got eaten by the fucking Shocking. snake. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All of a sudden, we're missing a 14 foot python who was actually got in behind the the uh stove and up into the rafters wrong with you on this um, episode and then both how white people die like what is it with fucking yeah weird we're just guys? dumb yeah there was a kid in the neighborhood who used to in the complex who would come the and bring the kids dog? over and charge them money to show them <laughs> show them around our apartment all the freak the show stuff we had going there oh it was it was interesting man we had I don't know. There's strippers. There's a lot going on. <laughs> 1989. Now oh. my kid is 30, and he is a product of all that. <laughs> uh, Rick, this has been an awesome episode, man. Um, so we really appreciate you coming on. Um, appreciate it, guys. Yeah. So everybody else, we will see you guys later. And hopefully we'll see you in Indiana. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, this episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours. Please don't skip through this. Take a listen to them. One of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland Canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We have we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast. Highland Canine, they're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in, uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, check them out. Their website is tacticalpoliscaninetraining.com, tacticalpoliscaninetraining.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's no, no joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month 
um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers. Uh, TacticalPoliceK9Training.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp at my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick Constant or Vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-collar immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather, like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtrade.com. And if you use the discount code WDR, one zero you get 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so that covers the ball trainer that covers the 1900 ass hands free which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs uh it covers the two dog system uh the 202c which i use for the two dog pet guys and fantastic so dogtra.com or go to at dogtra official on all the socials that's facebook instagram all those places so hit them up dogtra.com guys i don't even shop any other sites when i'm looking for everything for dogs our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training hunt dog training anything you need you can find at rayallen.com they have been doing it forever we have a great relationship with them Um, again they're at all the conferences you can stop up and talk to them they have more stuff there than any place rayallen.com they are amazing we have a great a really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it, boom, shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming rayallen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio and it's all caps. Check them out. Rayallen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next, our new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products, catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is Easy Echo Zulu Rider Online. Dot com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free 1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight there onto your phone. 
Our first sponsor we ever had. He's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM canine equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted's suit, he's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in, experienced handlers. Uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website. Check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WD Radio, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check them out. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E. Blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.